0: I am unashamed. What about you? So I'm back from Crete again. Still here enjoying the beautiful Mediterranean. I expected y'all to mention my background behind me. This is, Dad, over here they call this a villa. I'm in a villa. Have you ever stayed in a villa? Have
1: you seen any ducks flying around on a boat? (laughs)
0: ocean no 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 ducks i've seen a few Just uh checking. a few pigeons and some and some doves but i hadn't seen any ducks yeah a lot of i vicinity. didn't i didn't see any ducks there while i was there so I, so i'm from the villa in crete and uh coming to you for unashamed and uh so jace you've done all this media and we talked about on the last podcast for the new show i know today when you leave here you're going to more local media tell us (laughs) tell our audience the big show you got in my life
1: i I see y'all walking toward the camera and i'm looking at cy uh, the one i've been running with since he ran naked for the first six years of his life (laughs) in a log cabin i watched him mature and grow up and fight with ma about whether he's going to wear clothes at school or not from there size on one hand Jace is on the other. Jeff's just looking up like, "What? Well, how'd I get here? And Murray Crow just there for the, I'm just looking at the little cadre of people who are looking for treasure. And uh, entourage. I looked over at Miss K. I I said, is, is that our sons and my brother? I mean, what? <laughs> hey, <laughs> Murray, yeah, what we happened, converted moment? Murray with a great, he has a great story of him coming to Jesus, but it all came together. I said, you know what? I actually think that's going to work.
2: You know, Phil, I, I thought, it has been surprising. Uh, I think I mean, it's going to work. I, I kind of had a chip on my shoulder just because okay. I think people thought that family entertainment won't work today, which I, I'm just not sure why. I mean, there's. At there least are. it's
1: not lewd and filthy
2: that's and I'm
1: women's booze bouncing around. I mean, around.
2: It, it took me back to, you know where I got a lot of insight. And a lot of just good family, wholesome entertainment was on Andy Griffith. I, I used to watch, that's something I watched. I mean, I remember the guy, there was an episode that had a profound impact on me. i mean, we're talking Andy Griffith here
1: because they had an Uncle Si, I thought which was Barney. I, I thought your Barney. interaction with the people who own the land where you were looking for whatever's in the ground, but, uh. And they had threw a big fish fry, and I looked at how they had those fish fry. And I said they know how to fry a fish, and they, had, yeah, they know how what, to put a meal. Yeah, it was the hospitality the, that was available. It was worth seeing because you see so little of that. There was zero
2: difference in the way they cooked their fish and the way we cook ours. That is correct. And look, you go out to restaurants, and you know I've been to places where just a fish will make you gag. yeah And but people who live off the land, they live outdoors and they do they're good fishermen. They know how to cook. Yep. I mean everything I ate that day was fantastic. I mean it the was interaction phenomenal.
1: between y'all two family groups who had just met each other. It was a it was a awesome it's awesome T V, Jace. I mean you it know really what? was.
2: It was real life. Uh, the camera people filmed that whole scene from a distance one time. Uh, when we finished, I said, Look, we may have to do a couple of things that they didn't have camera coverage over. And so I was expecting you know how producers are. I mean we just oh, yeah. we they say come on in, they they film. Nobody said Jay say a prayer. I just thought we're fixing to eat. And who I heads said, up I'll,
1: that who heads up that uh Fox Kill me. Is he the one the kind of the the go to guy? <laughs> Brian Killmead? Uh
2: no, Phil, he's just he's just no, one he's of just the talent. personalities. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I had I had supper with the people who had all that up. It, it went well, yep. but that that's a different story. But what I was going to say is, uh, what was I saying? What was I talking about? You were telling you to tell the Andy Griffin episode. Oh yeah. So uh, that was an episode that Oopi, oh, well, Opie, you remember as a as a kid, and I was just a little older than him when I was watching this, but he was enamored with this guy who was basically a con man. And he was telling him all these sayings, like, because Opie would say, "Well, I got chores to do." I don't remember the exact phrase. I mean, I hadn't seen this in thirty years, but he said, and that old that old guy told him, he's like, "Well, remember this: don't do today what you can put off for tomorrow." Well, you know, when you think about it, that's terrible advice. (laughs) <laughs> and that was the point of the show. Yep. And so finally, you know, Opie's dad, the sheriff Andy, he 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 meets with the old boy cuz he realizes his son's being influenced in a negative way. Mm. And he makes this illustration about a bait and he's like, "Yeah, it looks shiny and all, but it's got a hook in it." And it kind of made me think of the deceitfulness of of sin and how we get influenced by people. And but I mean, as a kid I watched it, it was a, it was a great it was a great thing for me to watch. I thought yeah yep. I need to watch out just because you're By the old way Jason, doesn't a mean lot, you're wise. a lot of
0: people a lot of people compared our original duck show to Andy Griffin, which I always thought was a total plus because that's the kind of show that stands the test of time and, and I yeah. think ours is sort of the same way and you said it you got you know Barney and Cy who are sort of this comedic influence yeah. but then you've also got Dad. And Andy, who are kind of your moral core, you know, you're, you can always set back to them. you got Aunt B, Miss K, you know, the yep. women who kind mm-hmm. of run the household. And so when, I, when I'm speaking about this on the road, I always say, now I always ask the audience, I said, who do you think is Otis the Drunk on our show? Of course, everybody laughs because there's no real answer. But then I always say, maybe old Mountain Dog. <laughs> yeah. Well, you had, <laughs> kind of you had
2: Ernest T, you know, I'm not sure which... Character he was. But it it didn't matter. It was relationships with family, and the overall thrust of it was just it was good, wholesome, you know, fun. And so uh it's been good. I mean, I, I've gotten to do a lot of crazy things. One thing I should have talked about on the lot last podcast for my trip, but I didn't know if this had ever happened in the history of our society, so I went ahead and made a breakthrough for you duck hunters out there. But Cause we did this bit on uh, the Waters World Show or whatever, uh, whatever that's called. And so what they wanted to do, they said, "Would would you mind going out and interviewing the people, just about random topics?" And I, and Jet was like, "I think we should do it. It'd be fun." So they take us to Times Square. I mean, they just escorted us down there. And so we interviewed people. They gave us five questions. And we had no say in the questions. They just said, I said, well, we need at least one treasure because that was the theme of the show. You know, they, they yeah. said, go find treasure in Times Square with the people.
1: Uh, the the rednecks entering the, the, the hustle and bustle world, the, world. Uh, yeah. the New Yorkers. But it hit me, so I said, yeah, well, Y'all look. did stand out and look a little weird. <laughs>
2: I don't know, Phil. There were some weird people
1: there. Oh, I mean, that's when weirdness wow. meant weirdness. But but the good news is weirdness is in around here, Jay. So we
2: start asking these questions to just random strangers. I was shocked at the people who just, you just show up with a microphone and they step up to the plate. Yeah, I they, saw them. Step so we asked them, you know, basic questions. What's the weirdest thing you, you eat? What caused you to lock your doors at night? Uh, what's the national Treasure. we asked them what they thought about joe what biden was question
1: jeff asked that young girl she asked her something you know something
2: but they asked uh, which nobody understood the question what is the lame duck part of government in your opinion which we we finally started changing that question to what could government do better <laughs> because the, the first guy we asked he said i don't like geese they attack people I said, what is the what is the most lame duck part of our government? And he said, I don't like geese, they chase people. <laughs> I was like, uh that's conversation. Coming. But uh and there was one guy smoking weed. I mean I said on the after the show it was the closest to being high I've ever been. He came up there and he's I was like, Is that what are you smoking smoking weed? And he's like yeah, is that a problem? I was like, and somebody said, that's legal here in New York, which I didn't know it was. I was like, well, just don't blow it in my face. But then, <laughs> then when I said that, he, he kept trying to blow it in my face. So it was, you know, it was it was interesting. But what I was going to say, I did something I didn't know if it had ever been done the, in our society because I told the people there, I said, look, I want to do something. I don't care if you film it or not, but I'm not sure that anyone has ever blown a duck call championship style here at times square because i mean there were look there were thousands of people there i mean hustling and bustling i said i'm just gonna do it and he said go for it let us get it on tape so i just i brought my ringer you know that I take it doing
1: these events. What was was the response or the overall response? I would say bewilderment,
2: confusion,
1: (laughs) Uh, people calling 911. They didn't know whether to stay or run.
2: (laughs) It was a strange – they had strange looks on their faces. I mean, uh, they (laughs) – (laughs) so then after i did that they said do you have any more duck calls?" then people wanted duck calls it was like it it created a a firestorm so then i was like why don't we just i had a few duck calls in my bag and i said if they'll blow it you know i'll give it to them so i had like four or five so we did that have fun with it but did they put that any was,
0: of did, how much of that made it on the they hair, put the know? duck calling on there we watched the
2: so the next night we're on a show, and uh you know in one minute they asked us basically how you know what did you think of course they edited it and put movie clips in it. they tried to make it a comedy, I guess I'm not sure right, what right. the point of it all was
0: I really <laughs>
2: as soon as we ended, I
0: asked Jace, uh, you never. The, but you never watched water so no, Water's they had this got thing about start. this is my world and
2: right. The only thing we had to do 15 times uh-huh. is they wanted us to say this, we're I'm Jay's he's you know I'm Jep, and this is our treasure or whatever We had to do that like 12 times because <laughs> we we couldn't do it. We do all this thing off the cuff just go out there bam and then our, our little signature tag. Whatever he does,
0: because I wasn't familiar with it, of course, but we finally got it. Well, that's what I'm saying. He so he was a he was an intern. I mean, started very young at Fox and just doing whatever you know work. And then he he got his big break when O'Reilly was so big, and he was his guy on the street. So he'd go out and ask these questions. And now he's the big Pumbaa. He's got, you know, the spot on Fox News. Oh, yeah. And so he still likes kind of pay, tipping the hat. That's well, what that was His
2: show about. was, he's pretty tough on, you know, people, the left. He's pretty kind of almost yeah, yeah. kind of cynical. I mean, they're, the gloves came off. I felt like, man, this is pretty bold. I kept thinking that. But, uh, yeah, you know, it is what it is. I mean, so we did it. I mean, it was all, I guess, good, you know. It was fun interacting with people, but I was surprised even the people that uh, didn't necessarily agree with us, they like our show. I mean, one of the guys, the guy from Canada, because I was like, "What's what's our national treasure to you?" And he's like, "I'm not from this country." I saw that was a. I was like, "Oh, where are you from?" And he's like, "Canada." I said, Well, how long have you been here? And he went, Three days. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it just but he said, But I know y'all, I watch you alls show. And I mean, you just he just didn't look like the type of guy that you would have thought, you know, watches our show. But I was like, Hey, well, we appreciate
0: it. But it, so, was, it was good. So tell where you're going. That's where we started this before we went in the rabbit hole tell where you're going next for your next big media opportunity oh so i'm
2: going to our i guess are they our sister podcast
0: um it really is a sister even though there's no women on it's a sister podcast because that's what they call them so Uh,
2: well they had uh they had the duck call room is the one we're talking about they asked me to be on they've been asking me for a few weeks but i hadn't been i mean i'm literally been traveling everywhere and uh so i'm going from here to there so I said, well, I need to watch one of their podcasts because I've never been on it. And they've done a couple hundred of them. I think you've been on it,
1: Phil. Yeah, I think I did. And, I uh, forgotten what I and
2: I've been so, on it too. So I pulled up their podcast. Well, I didn't realize they had had Si's wife, our Aunt Chris, on the podcast. I was like, well, when did this happen? I watched that podcast. That is as hard as I have laughed at watching anything <laughs> in my life. I thought it was awesome. Because Cy, every time he started telling a story, she would just lean into the mic and go, nope. (laughs) And then they would ask her for the real story. It was like you had a real live fact Fact checker. checker. That's right. It was
0: hilarious. It's it's actually like Missy on this one. Let's, uh, Let's take a break. I don't know, Dad, if you and Jason know this, but... Two out of three guys experience hair loss before they're 35, which who knew, right? Uh, That hadn't really necessarily hit us as much, but it hits a lot of guys out there. And nobody wants to take that gamble with your hair. So you can flip your odds in your favor and save your hair if you use Keeps. Keeps has been one of our sponsors uh, since the very beginning of our podcast. We're very appreciative of these guys. Uh, And they know that hair loss can be tough. You see it in your picture. Your barber points it out. Uh, My grandkids are bad about pointing it out. Pap, you got a little spot back here on your back of your head. Um, But we don't want to go to the buzz cut or the shave if we can save it with keeps, especially for you young guys out there uh, that can still hang on to your hair. They have a clinically proven FDA-approved hair treatment. It's available online. And so whether you're looking to prevent your hair loss, maybe stimulate some hair growth, or take care of the hair you have, There's a Keeps physician who helped you select the right products and developed a personalized hair-saving routine that works for you. It's easy. There's no waiting rooms, no pharmacy visits, right to your door, half the cost. So check them out. Uh, If the balding jokes are wearing thin, join thousands of guys who have saved their hair. Visit Keeps.com slash door. You're going to get 50% off your first order. That's K-E-E-P-S.com slash door. Keeps.com slash door.
2: So I'm going there. Yeah, I'm, I've, I'm not I've sure what. That's a bit. Yeah, I'm not sure what what I'm going to be doing, but I'm sure uh, you can look out for that. And uh, so we'll we'll tape that today. I'm trying to get over all my filming obligations, so uh, I can lead. This maybe can
0: lead to a day off at some point now. That might be nice. You've been on a run, Jace. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. So uh, let's let's shift gears to back to Hebrews. Um, I know that I was gone a couple of podcasts, and I guess y'all wrapped up chat Hebrews 2, is that correct?
2: Well, we did, and look, because we, we talked about you know, pro-life, our last podcast, but the last time we were here, we had Zach. We got through chapter 3, uh, 1 through 6, but what I thought I would do, Al, is last night I had a late night email, and uh, what I had done is... I had to do some research to even tell this story. A few years ago, I spoke at a... It was at a university, but uh, they had a leadership meeting there, young men who were going to go into the ministry and be preachers. And there was probably uh, 30 or 40 of them. And so I spoke at it, which was kind of weird because I'm not a minister as as in a paid preacher I mean I do this because I love Jesus I mean I'm I'm an ambassador but I speak but for them to ask me because these guys are going to be preachers more like what you did Al for years you know work right. at a church and so uh, so I spoke but one thing I did was I gave my email out to those guys because I thought they were all young men and I always gravitate towards trying to influence especially 15 to 25 year olds, because one, they have way more energy. Two, they're way more open minded. And I just think that that's our future. I want to leave, you know, a legacy. I want to pass, you know, the love for Jesus and this boldness of sharing Jesus to that age bracket. So I'm always attracted to those kind of events. And so uh, I gave my email out. Well, one of them last night, one of those guys there, I mean, I did this probably. I don't want to date it, but I, I'd say seven or eight years ago. And I've had several of them reach out to me in the last seven or eight years. Well, he he sent me an email, and it was, it was a question. He had had two members of his family that he really loved and respected go through a separation and a divorce just in the past year, and it just devastated him. And he's a newly married guy, and he's like, you know what? I'm just scared right now. I, I'm upset. I mean, he's real emotional about it. It's been a tough year for him. And he said, I'm just looking for advice on how to have a dynamic, spirit-filled marriage. And he said, I remember that time that you gave out your email and said, if you ever have any you know, questions or whatever. And so I just found myself you know, in the middle of the night, last night, typing, giving him my response. But I've been studying Hebrews and I think I'll, I want to share what I shared with him, which will also act like a review on where we're at, because this is what, I've been studying. I mean, when I was flying to New York and in the green rooms and I'd get my Bible out and I would study and I was I was studying Hebrews mainly. So what I did last night and y'all can critique my advice. Look, it was in the middle of the night and I'm hoping this was from the Holy Spirit, but cuz I did it off the top of my head cuz when he when he read that and I know he's he's you know, he he's gone through a seminary and he knows the Bible And so he's asked me a question, a guy he doesn't know. He heard me speak one time. So my first thought was Hebrews 13, four, which says marriage, marriage should be honored by all. And the marriage bed kept pure for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. And I just put there, I said, well, it seems simple enough. What seems to be the problem. There's your verse. Hmm. And so I then said, I think there are some keys to understanding what led to that statement in hebrews 13 and i and then i gave an outline of what we've gone through here i said the first 10 chapters was a focus to jewish christians christians mind you that jesus should be the focus and i had some of the verses that we mentioned chapter 3 1 let fix your thoughts on jesus you know twelve one, fix your eyes on jesus uh I did this analogy of Hebrews 3, 6, which is our, that's where we left off where he said, Christ is faithful as a son over God's house, and we are his house. Yep. And so uh, I made this point in the email about, I want, and I used Ephesians 5 as an example. I said, here was, you know, talking about the different roles in marriage, but his whole point, Paul's point in Ephesians was that you're married to Jesus first as the church and so uh i said look i want in my house to be i want to be you know christ as far as i'm housing christ married to christ but then i want to be a jesus husband to my wife that's the goal and so it led me then to the point which is what we're going to talk about today which is chapter 3 and verse 14 13 and 14 and and i'll just read it right now and we'll get to it you know through the other text but it says but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness and so in and, and verse 12, I should have read where it says, see to it that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be harmed by sins, deceitfulness. So I made a point in there that, look, he's talking to Christians, Jewish Christians, and he's focusing on Jesus, which will show you the relational aspects versus the ritualistic aspects of religion that they had experienced under the old Jewish system. But look at what he was trying to warn these Christians about doing, which is having an unbelieving hard heart and be deceived by sin because it's deceitful. And so that was kind of the basis to where I wrote down three things that we focus on Jesus. We, uh, what was the second point I had? Uh oh, we are unselfish. A key element of marriage is unselfishness. Because when you think about what sin is, according to and I had James three and James four, where it says where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires within you, you want something you can't get it? So I had key number one to a marriage is a focus on Jesus and the relational aspect. You know, if you are separated from your wife, there had to be a separation of Jesus by one or both parties at some point for that to happen, going back to Ephesians 5. So, and then third, I had things change. And because in marriage, everything changes. When you get married, everything changes. It never goes back to the way it was when you're dating. When you have the first kid, guess what? Everything changes. So I put in there, it's tough to navigate this. And so that's why I highlighted what he said here. Encourage one another daily. So I told him in my own personal life, I have five guys who love Jesus and who are unselfish. And I see that in their marriage. And so I have made every effort to befriend them because I want that circle of friends who, when I have something come up in my marriage or I have a question about something. I call them, and I've done it for the last 25 years. I mean, we encourage one another daily because it is difficult to navigate the circumstances. So that was basically the thrust of my message to this guy. And I know this has been a long story, but it was a long email. And I stopped what I was doing and addressed it. But it made me realize that Hebrews, when you get to chapter 12 and 13, there's a lot of exhortations, not just about marriage. But it started off with you focus on Jesus, you focus on the relational aspect of God, you combine it with faith, chapter 11, and then let us then do this, let us do that, let us do that. So I just put it into practice with him asking me a question about marriage. I just backed up, focused on Jesus, gave an exhortation to combine it with faith. And then I said, now as the result, we're gonna encourage one another to put this into practice.
0: Excellent advice. I think that's pretty good advice. <clears throat> I would, I was thinking about when you, that unselfish passage or the point you made and you had those two passages, another good one that I use in that same vein. Cause I agree hundred percent in marriage is Philippians two, one through five, where mm-hmm. Paul was talking about the church, but he said, when you look to one another's interest, you look to them before you look to yourself. And in marriage is the, is the place where you need unselfishness the most. And then he closes that section by saying your attitudes should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, which is back to your first point. But it also shows that Jesus unselfish nature and he was not married and yet he was married because the church is his bride and how much more unselfish could you be than him? And when he gave his life for us, so I would add that as well. Let's, let's take a break. Well, yeah,
2: these, I are, that was good. these are the key pillars. And I mean, I got the idea of doing that from this chapter three, six, where we left off when it says Christ is faithful as the son of God's house. Now granted, he was given an argument that Jesus is better than Moses and that he's the builder of everything. And he talked about God's house. But then all of a sudden he makes this practical illustration where he says,
1: we are his house. We're housing the son of God. Yeah, one of the reasons these texts take on new meaning in lieu of when Hebrews was written, probably mid first century, old writings, Jase. But today, fast forward, there's a reason 60, over 60% of all marriages end in divorce. Yeah. So you see the dangers of these texts, when you say, if you don't apply them, 60% of the people, including preachers, they, they divorce.
2: Hey, 85% of people in prison, you know where they came? A broken home. Broken home. That's my point. So yeah.
1: our culture today, when you read these texts, you talk about need to be put into practice. I mean... Only sixty percent of the people, including preachers and this young guy like you're talking about, that just happened to him, his bro, what whatever you said his his kin folks were broken broken.
2: Yeah, and these are people in the church. And which is my point. This letter ramifications
1: was of that is very detrimental to anybody yeah. as a nation.
2: This letter was written to Jewish Christians and I think we've tried to explain the significance of that and them being drawn to this their old ritualistic view of religion and law keeping. But with so many times, I think in the church, you know, you, we just think that you just read a verse like Hebrews 13:4, oh, don't do this. I mean, God will judge you. Keep that marriage bed pure. And that's, and they're like, well, how do I do that? What? I mean, it's just, it's a lot. Marriage is difficult. I mean, I wrote in my closing remarks: I said, look, You're right. Because he said one of the reasons you reached out to me, he said, you seemingly have a dynamic marriage and a lot of your family members do also. And I just want to know the reason for that. But I put this, I said, you're right. We do have a dynamic marriage. I said, but we focus on Jesus. We focus on sharing Jesus. I said, and we're unselfish. I was like, I'm just telling you, that's how this is working. I said, but I will say this in the over 30 years. It has never been easy and I
1: capitalized never been easy. It is never way, been easy. By the way, you gave him that letter and you took the time to do it, which kudos to you. Encourage one another. He didn't say make sure on Sundays when you meet it's a day, daily. Daily there's a people misunderstand that when you walk out of the church building on Sunday morning exactly. You've got Monday coming up and you need to apply these principles and these admonitions daily, and you don't need to, you know, there can't be gaps in that. because. No.
2: and you throw in the fact that things change. I mean, I look back at my life.
0: But look, you made that's a good point, Jay. because nobody, I say it this way, nobody stands before the preacher or the justice of the peace and says your vows and your I do's. Nobody in that moment has any idea about going out and, committing adultery against their spouse. In that moment, they're like, I'm committed. I'm going to do this. Yep. But They're throwing happens? rice and
1: flowers in every direction and smiles. And in that moment,
0: it's easy. But the minute you leave there and you start just living life, that's when stuff starts to happen that then you have to have a basis. And if you don't, you're right, Jace, If you don't know how, then you're going to fail when your first test comes. So, by the way, Jace, while you're there,
1: what if or what is it? when you see people where there is no God, no faith in God, no, cause you're going to end up faith. But what about the ones who are unbelievers and they were taught in high school? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're arguing about whether they're male or female and all this stuff that's going on in our culture. Would you say that to those people, I wonder how their marriages are?
2: Well, I mean, I think some people make it work just because it's just an arrangement, and they're not trying to kill each other, or you know, it's just. I mean, I've shared this before. I have met non Christians who seemingly have a pretty good marriage, and uh, I'm one that can't keep my mouth shut. So I'm like, well, how, how does that? How does that work? And most of the times I've seen it, where they've just lowered the bar on what they're trying to accomplish, which is basically, you know, a financial arrangement and you have a sexual partner there and yeah. their expectations are pretty low about making the world a better place or, you know, and, and so I, you know, I think it's possible to get along and, and, it, and it happens. I mean, I feel like it may be a gift from God, even though they're not acknowledging that, but for the most part, I mean, you said the number of people, I mean, divorced. if your children, from what I'm hearing on the golf course and in a card game and, you know, most husbands, especially non Christians, are not talking favorably about their wife. I know at all. That's right. It is just she's just the butt of a joke, and uh, which is disturbing. You know, but you're not gonna. Don't be shocked. You can't. You can't. So,
0: Jay's. We do that. We do something similar. So we do a. You know, Ephesians five thirty three. I like that idea about starting with the command. Ephesians five thirty three. Paul concludes his segment using marriage as an illustration about Christianity by saying, Husbands love your wives, you know, as to the Lord, and wives respect your husbands. And so you're like, Okay, well, there it is. That's just pretty simple. I mean, just do it. I mean, just, you know, you're commanded to love your wife, and you're, I mean, and, you're, and the wife is commanded to respect her husband. But then I always flip it, Lisa and I do, and we do a presentation that says, But what would happen? I mean, how do we get to that point where that's easy and not difficult? So we take the whole thing and flip it. And Lisa does a whole thing with the ladies about what it looks like to be lovable. And she does it out of Proverbs 31. And then I do a whole thing about for men about what it looks like to be respectable out of Job 31. And the idea there is, If I'm being respectable, if I'm trying to be a respectable man of God, that's why I live my life every day day, to be more like Jesus, then it's going to be pretty easy for her to respect me, which is what God commanded her to do. (laughs) But if I'm not acting or living respectably, it's very hard for her to respect me. The same thing for her. How lovable is she? Well, Mm -hmm. it depends on what she's loving. And if it's not Christ, and then she's hard to love. Well, yeah, so what, what, the, you're still got the command, but you got to live. The results is the you know, key.
1: It, it is interesting that the Hebrew writer, and Jay's, you can elaborate on this because you know, it's it's a it's a conundrum. We, we call these marriages broken when when there's a divorce. We said these people, the children, these people came from broken family broken 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 it is interesting that the hebrew writer for some reason encourage one another daily as long as it's called and it's capitalized today oh yeah what exactly is the thrust of that oh no i want to get into that uh, well i I figured you would i just (laughs) why i'm asking well that's a strange way to to have an admonition. He said, do this daily, encourage one another instead of discourage one another. Just think about it. Make sure you discourage one another daily. You know, by the way you're operating would be the antithesis to to encourage one another daily as long as it's called today and today is capitalized. Which
2: is why now that you're seeing why I told that Andy Griffith story and the guy giving the bad advice when he said... Don't do today what you can do tomorrow. That was a setup for when we got to this
0: point here, because fair point. when
2: you think about it, that's Hang on, that, That's bad Hang advice. On, let's,
0: let's take a break. Well, we it's a it's a quote from
2: Psalm 95, but before we read it, I want to say, and I'll, I will answer you the question in time we got left, because I think it's you've hit on a key point. You know, I wanted to reiterate about this idea about a command and what the basis is. Because, look, there are commands. And what changes from a ritualistic standpoint to a relationship with God is your motivation. I mean, we, we know the famous passage in Titus says, grace of God teaches us to say no. Or Romans 12, in view of God's mercy to offer yourselves as living sacrifices. But this was something jesus foreshadowed in john 14 when he was talking about the holy spirit coming and remember this is right after he said i'm the way i'm the truth i'm the life you know i'm preparing a place for you and thomas said well how do we know how are we going to get there and he's like i am the way i am the truth and he's like but i'm not going to leave you as orphans and i'm going to send you the spirit and he will comfort you but then all of a sudden He gets into this in 1421, because I think it reiterates what we're discussing here in Hebrews. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he he is the one who loves me. And that's why I'm not, I'm using the term, when I have five buddies who love Jesus, and I made this point in the email. That just sounds like a phrase, what they call Christianese, but I'm saying I'm not talking about religious people. I'm not talking about guys who go to church. I'm not guys that I have a bunch of com in common with. I'm talking about guys who based on my observation of them, the number one thing that comes out is they love Jesus. And I'll, I'll give you an example. Like the uh, pastor that we had before, uh, Trent Langhofer, who I have absolutely zero in common with. I mean, he's a yuppie of yuppies. He's a workout guy. He uses words and phrases I've never heard of. He doesn't hunt, fish, or anything that I do. There's one thing about him that drew me to him, and I pursued him. I asked him to come with me on trips and events, and I pursued friendship, had him over and eat. He loves Jesus. It stands out in his message, in his sermon, in his talk. He literally loves Jesus. I'll tell you another person. He yeah. was a, by the but, way,
1: he was a drug addict before he became a preacher. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Tim Tebow's another guy. He, When I met him for the first time, I mean, I'm like, oh, he played football. He played for Florida. I was into all that. In about five seconds after meeting him, it became clear to me, this man loves Jesus. He got a passion for Jesus. When he came to our house and stayed a couple of days and did an event, oh, it, it went on from five seconds. Every minute, every person that walked in my house he made it really clear that he loves Jesus. Well, I just me as a guy who wants to have a happy marriage, who wants to make the world a better place, who realizes the struggles in life, I want, I want these people around me. And so I'm making a point there because I'm reading this, John 14. He said, whoever has my commands, 21, and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. So he gets to verse 23 and says, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. So it it reflects, it mirrors what is said in Hebrews 3, 6, when he said Christ is faithful as a son over God's house. The reason I'm making such a big deal about this is because it all starts in the home. You spend the most time there. We're responsible as men to lead this family to heaven and in ways that are productive in life. Well, Acknowledging that Jesus, you're housing Jesus in your house, in this conversation with your wife, that you're supposedly as a reflection of you being married to Jesus, Ephesians 5, those are the moments where you stop what you're saying, and I've done it many times, and thought, what am I doing here? I am being completely selfish in whatever this argument is that has gone off the rails.
1: Yep. The, that, these are the I thoughts. Days, when we're having a meal, <clears throat> a little small meal, I say, y'all ready? And everybody kind of stops. And you have 10 people there or visitors there or no visitors there. It doesn't make any difference. We get up there. We're thankful for the food. We say, well, here's this food here. We're thankful. We truly are. But then we say, and jesus we, we we are thankful for what you did, you removed, yeah, there's always a admonition to love Jesus, then we're going and thank you for the food yeah and, and if people see that and they're like see they're they're being thankful, yeah, and they're and they're mentioning Jesus, their Lord, and it's in public, and they don't care who's standing there, yeah. Well, and, it seems and, like a small thing. Yeah. Well, what I'm taking it a step think?
2: further, and even acknowledging. I mean, like my wife and I, people laugh at us, and even Trent, who I mentioned earlier, him and his wife, they laugh at us because my wife and I, we disagree in public, and we're fine with that. And
1: why uh, say, <laughs> <laughs> <Voice but AJ, laughs> We
2: disagree in public. We will disagree in public. <laughs> look passionately, and uh, <laughs> and and people are so shocked because they're like i cuz most people want to portray an image of we've got it all figured out and we agree and you know we're
1: we have we're no running
2: problem. down the road holding our our kids hands you know clicking our heels and it's a beautiful day and uh you know <laughs> we we tend to vent our problems and our disagreements and Guess look, you're and the,
1: almost saying and lord thank you for this food but you know i don't know about this woman i mean she well exactly she's <laughs>
2: dead wrong on this point and uh you know I, what on. would jesus
0: do and <laughs> hang on jace let's take a break
2: <laughs> but my point is look we're we're flawed people and marriage is difficult getting along with a woman and on an everyday basis, for me, has been the most difficult thing, adventure
1: of my life. I, I had one admonition, and all of you were together, my, you, you and the other three sons, and you're looking at me, and I said, I always remember, boys, when God made a woman. He made a strange creature. Yeah,
2: I know. You imprinted <laughs> that in my head. And there's a few other things that I've had. I didn't to, say
1: you don't love them. You love I've them, you to, take care I've of I've had it.
2: to kill the sacred cow advice many times. Yep. But my my point is, you know, you don't want to come across like this is not easy. There's a reason people are getting divorced. It's very difficult. And without Jesus, I'm not even sure how, how you could pull it off. But that, that's what we're discussing. But I think you can apply that to this system in all facets of life, not just marriage. You know, life is difficult in the moment. And yep. and he's trying to, to get you to see that this God that you're following is real and alive 24-7 and is perfectly aware of that's everything right. you're thinking, doing in any moment. Great point. So tap into that in this moment and say, well, wait a minute here. I'm housing Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Who am I trying to kid? You can't just throw all your religion away when you're not in front of. I'm people. an
1: ambassador for Jesus yeah. here.
2: And your house turned into some kind of, you know, war. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. And your kids are going to see through it. And that's not going to work. So, uh, so what Jace,
0: are, my. my I wasn't with you guys when you did three, one through six. But the one line I put down in my own personal notes was focus on the builder not the building or the structure. And I think that's in essence what makes it so great. And he uses Moses as the example of the building, the early building of the structure, because the whole idea about the people coming out of Israel was to start a process by which he would build a people on earth that would ultimately bring the Messiah, but also he would bring them law to show us that we can't keep law. So all that was part of the structure, and, and we've talked about it so many times. I mean, you could bring that forward to 2,000 years, yeah. and we said this is people are focusing on the building someplace instead of the builder, the one yep. who built the actual house, which is us, not some wood, exactly. brick, and mortar. Well, the reason I wanted to go
2: through all this and, uh, and the reason I – I agree, and we did talk about that that same thought, Al, in the podcast. All that was just an introduction, because in chapter 3, verse 7, he says, so, and in some versions, uh, translations has therefore. Yep. But that's why what, what you just depicted, he's fixed to say something about, Yep. he just said, Jesus, I mean, you know, if you go back to chapter 1, one and two he, he's now speaking through his son he jesus considers us family he, he mentions that in chapter two he's he came here and humbled himself and became a human so that it might destroy him who holds the power of death we went through that and free those who were held in slavery he's able to help us when we're tempted he's called us to heaven we have him in our bodies and he's like so so what? And he quotes Psalm 95. And it says, so as the Holy Spirit says, which I do think is an interesting phrase. Very seldom in the Bible do you see that because a lot of people think, yeah. "Boy, if I could just hear the Holy Spirit say something to me. Well, he he he, he does. And yeah. and when you read the word of God, he is saying something. And he he's did. fixed He wrote it, it down. I mean, that's what it says. He also says the same thing. And uh, there's another place he uses this where he says the Holy Spirit testifies. I'll find it later. Yep. But so he says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the desert, where your fathers tested and tried me and for 40 years saw what I did. That that is why I was angry with that generation and said their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my way. So I declared an oath in my anger. They shall never enter my rest. And then he goes what we read earlier on 12 and 13. And then he says, verse 14, we have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly till the end, the confidence we had at first and has just been said. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did it in the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, with those bodies who fell in the desert? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. So what stands out to me more than anything is he's warning against so-called Christians, Jewish heritage of unbelief and hard hearts, and don't be deceived by sin. Al, you want to add to that?
0: No, I think you're exactly right. And I think, and and again, if you go back, so that's Psalm 95. Yeah, I was going to read the challenge. rest of it. I was going to read
2: the rest it's, of Psalm 95. It's Can pretty powerful. Oh, it's yeah, a, oh it is it is powerful. He says in verse 1, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation, which is going back to this relationship thing. Here's David yep. writing a song, crying out. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks that belong to him the sea is his for he made it and his hands formed the dry land come let us bow down and worship let us kneel before the lord our maker for he is our god and we are the people of his pasture the flock under his care i mean how intimate is this relationship he is describing this great creator designer of the universe and even us but he's i mean he's like we're the people of his pasture Today and then he here's here's the quote here's if the warning. Here's voice. Don't harden your hearts as you did at Mariba, which that means quarreling. This is why I brought up this marriage uh, illustration. Yep, because <laughs> it's difficult. Life is difficult. Where your fathers tested and tried me. Uh, oh, I uh, skipped a part. As you did at that day at Massa, which you know what that means? Testing. Though they had seen what I did, for 40 years I was angry with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray, and they have not known my way. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And the only thing I'll say before I get y'all's comment is that you remember when Jesus was baptized, and he had no sin, and, and God declared him the Son of God, he was proud of him and whom he loved. And then what happened? The Spirit carried him to the wilderness. Well, that's what happens, look, in life, in marriage, in us, when we declare Jesus as Lord. I mean, life is a wilderness. It is a lot of temptation, which we, he just talked about in chapter 3. There's a lot of testing. And in this case, they were tempted to go back to the ritualistic form of religion because it's more it's more comfortable it's more comfortable just to put it in a package and not have it interfere with your everyday life but jesus takes it to the next level god wanted to save us completely and have something for us to speak
0: for daily on a daily basis and i think that's what he's
2: addressing here
0: <clears throat> no, i think you're right <clears throat> and i think in the overtime We should explore that as well as this idea about looking back, because I've got an interesting thought I want to make about that. So uh, we're about to go to overtime. Uh, If you hadn't followed us over before, it's really, you know, more discussion of of this text and what we're talking about. AblazeTV.com slash unashamed is how you'll get there uh, to be able to catch our uh, overtime segment. So we'll uh, flesh this thought out a little bit more from the end of Hebrews chapter 3 in our overtime. We'll see you there.